Hi, and welcome to LISD's Digital Dish. This podcast is hosted by Julia Frazier and Michael Vick, two of LISD's instructional technology facilitators. We will be discussing the latest digital innovations, dilemmas, and solutions for your classroom and more. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Join us as we banter, debate, and discover the technology offerings of LASD and beyond. Hey there, welcome to the Digital Digital Dish. Dish. Ooh, Michael, you came in short on that one. I forgot what it was called for a second. (laughs) We're your hosts, Julia Frazier. And Michael Vick. And we are coming to you this morning. If you want to know some background, it's very early. It's just 8 o'clock. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. We're using a new mic, so we'll see how Yeah, the our... snowball mic. I think we might actually get this mic permanently after this. Ooh, so fancy. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're coming to you from a different location than normal, at a different time than normal. It's all, all new. All new things. All new. Good <laughs> so, today we wanted to go ahead oh, and... Oh, hold on. Time out. Oh, we got to tell out. them the news with... Um... Oh, yes. Our it's... exciting news. What are you doing? I don't know. It's early. I don't know what my it, mind is doing. It is early. And we, we are going to warn the podcast listeners about the fact that it is really early. It For is... us recording a podcast. Right. Yeah. And usually we like get into it, but Julie has a meeting at 8.30, so this is all her fault. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have a meeting at 830. No, you're not. But No, I'm not. Um, but here's the thing. I know that some of you are like, 830 is not early. Or eight, I'm sorry, That's 8 o'clock true. is not early. And it's not really early, but we it's usually get into it a little bit. Talk early, about yes. what we're going to discuss. But we're going straight into it. It's early for us in recording land. In just life land, I assume 8 o'clock is not that early. So when all of you of people do your own podcast, just know... This may happen to you, too. Yeah. We haven't had time to warm up, to practice our riffs. Usually, Michael tells me a dad joke or two. I'll talk to him about Taylor Swift. I mean, it's it's we have a whole process. So, <laughs> so anyway. So, um, if you've been following Julie on Twitter, then you've been really busy. But more importantly... <laughs> Something new has happened, and I've tweeted it too. Yes. I tweeted it too. You know, I feel like I am a Twitter novice next to you, but then again, I look at people in general on Twitter, and I'm ahead of them. Yeah. So I'm better than the average. I'm just not as good as you. I just, you know, I've been a a full-on tweeter, tweeter? Mm -hmm. Um, since Yes, since being in the classroom, I always made it my mission to tweet one picture a day of my kids actively engaged in learning so that when the parents went home and said, what did you learn in school today? And the kids said, nothing. The parents could pull up my Twitter and be like, well, you learned this. Tell that's me gen- about that's this. That's really, and it's so easy to do. <laughs> that, that's great. That's so great. I've just gotten into the habit of being a, a Twitter. I did go a little Twitter crazy yesterday because it was digital learning day. Hashtag DL day. Yeah, hashtag DL day. So I was, I was, and I had a half day yesterday, so I had to fit all my tweeting in a short time frame. Do you think anybody was like ha- looking at the hashtag DL day thinking what's on the down low? People not in the know may have. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so anyway, the reason why I brought that up is because we are we have both been invited to be part of the official Shake Up Learning podcast launch team. Yay! And so I, exciting. I assume there were a lot of applicants and we were chosen 
you know, is one of the few. Yeah. But I really don't know. Well. It seemed like it was. Yeah. I feel like we're part of a, a select group. I, I, I like to think that that has something to do with the fact that I accosted Casey at. I wondered, <laughs> I wondered that too. I, so my TCA. immediate thought. <laughs> And said, oh my gosh, we love you. We have a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> and, then we, <laughs> and then we hilariously recorded right in the middle of everybody. Right. Yes. So I, I would like to think that that has something to do with it. She pitied us. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh gosh, these wackadoos. Now, um, in all actuality, I'm gonna use that. <laughs> in all actuality, we're very excited to yes. be helping Casey Bell, one of our EdTech idols, promote her Shake Up Learning show, which will drop, I believe, March 26th. March 26th. Yeah, there's going to be five episodes, so you can binge listen. That's a thing, right? Yeah, binge binge listening. I binge listen podcasts all the time. So you're going to listen to them all five right at the same time? Uh, It depends. Five hours? Probably. I don't know. I'll probably binge listen a couple and then split it into two sessions. It just depends on what I have going on in my life. Right. And I don't know how long they're going to be either. No, me neither. I mean, they could be an hour. They could be 30 minutes. We don't really know. Yeah, but I'm so excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I am too. I I love, we love her her book, Shake Up Learning. Um, We talked about her podcast before we knew that we were going to be on the podcast launch. Yes. So we had already... Um, you know, told you guys that we were excited about it. Right. So, yeah. So that is pretty exciting news in our land. Right. Hey, Julia, what are we talking about today? Well, Michael, I'm so glad you asked that very important question. We were deciding what to talk about on this podcast and kind of thought maybe going over an article again, like we did with Aaron Integration. And I suggested... when A 64-page was... <laughs> report. That's what you suggested. Okay. But listen, guys, the 64-page report is full of goodness. And we're not going to go over the whole 64-page report. We're each going to pick a trend, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But when I was in grad school, which I have a specialization in emerging technologies with my master's degree, we went over these Can you say the whole master's degree? What is it officially? My Okay, my whole master's degree officially is a master's in curriculum and instruction with a emphasis and specialization in emerging technologies. Wow, that needs to be an acronym. Uh, yeah. We'll I, work that out. We'll yeah, that I'll just out. say I have a master's degree. That's that's enough for me. But we went over this report for the for the emerging technologies portion of my master's degree called the Horizon Report. Came out in 2017, so this, we're this, two years into it or one and a half years yeah, into it. They do them every year, but the reports kind of come out on a, on a bit of a delay. So this is the 2017 report. It is called it's led by the New Media Consortium, the NMC, but they were recently required. Oh, that gets an acronym? It does. That one gets an acronym. They were recently requ- acquired, excuse me, by EduCase. And basically the mission... I think it's EduCause. You're right. It is EduCause. Sorry, my reading. It's early for me. Okay, guys. <laughs> my reading is off. EduCause and both of those companies essentially missions are to support and do research on technology and digital learning. And that is what the Horizon Report does, is it's a report on digital learning. Now, one of the things that the Horizon Report covers is the trends in technology adoption in K-12 through education. So there are two long-term trends 
to midterm trends and to short-term trends. Five years being the long-term thing. Right. So if it's between three and five, that's a midterm. If it's above, it's long-term. If it's below, if it's less, then it's short-term. Short-term. So our long-term trends are advancing cultures of innovation, deeper learning approaches, midterm growing focus on measuring learning, redesigning learning spaces, and short-term coding as literacy and the rise of STEAM learning. So we're each just going to kind of throw down some information, talk a little bit about the trend that we are feeling called to today. And the link to the full report, if you're interested, will be in the show notes. If you want to read a 65-page report, I find them highly interesting. But... There are some graphs, too, so it's not all, <laughs> it's not all words. If you want to read some graphs. I gra- I, well, you get way more information a lot, quick, a lot more quickly. Says the math teacher. I absolutely <laughs> you weren't gravitated toward the graphs. I thought everybody was. I, I like infographics. Well, those are good too. Yes, and um, I, there are a lot of like icons and stuff in this too. Yes, so I you do probably like, really like that. I do like a good icon. So can I talk about mine first? Yes, go for it. So when I was in grad school, you want to tell you what my grad school title was? Sure. Masters of Arts in Instructional Design and Technology. Oh, so there's there's, fancy. A, there's a long acronym for that. Anywho, so I wanted one of my, while I was in grad school, one of the things that I wrote about was how there needs to be a paradigm shift in education in order for kids to really learn what they need to learn regarding technology. Mm-hmm. And, and not just, not just like, hey, I need to know how to do this on a technology, but also know like that you can try something and undo it and trying is learning. Like so many times when a kid does something, whether it's technology related or not, the, the teacher or even other kids are like, don't do it that way. You need to do it this way. And that's, you, you're taking away an opportunity for that kid to learn. Right. And so I think there needs to be a, a paradigm shift between this whole idea of right and wrong versus what did you learn? This goes into kind of grading for learning is that, you know, I don't want kids to be given a grade and that's the end. I want them to consistently learn. And I think that needs to change because traditionally, if you did something wrong, you know, school was like preparing kids to work in a factory. So if you did something wrong in a factory, you like, they had to shut down your machine, we shut down the whole operation. But that's not that way anymore. It's right. not that, it's so easy to just command Z that, undo it, really easy. And I, and I think that needs to shift. I really do. I really do think it needs to shift. You know, that reminds me of a quote that I recently put on my Twitter header because I redid that. But anyway, it was... Your Twitter header is really cool. Thank you. I'm looking at it right now. (laughs) I'm as well, yes. It is pretty neat. I'm, you know, design is my forte. You put your little podcast launch team logo in your your profile picture. picture. I did. That's pretty cool. I think I'm going to totally steal most of this. Oh, well, go for it. Okay. But the quote that um, that reminds me of is, don't prepare students for something. So in 10, 15, 20 years ago, we were preparing students for specific jobs but to prepare students for anything. So, and that was a a quote by Eric Scheninger. He's a principal and a speaker and um, an ed tech advocate, but that, you know, digital learning kind of holds the key to that, the key to the future of that. And that if we're preparing kids for just something, one specific thing, we're doing them a disservice. We need to give them the tools that they're prepared for anything. I'm living proof of that. I got my bachelor's degree in psychology and this is not, I mean, I used some of those skills that I learned for sure, but I didn't. I did not know I was going to become an educator when right. I first went through college, and but I was prepared. You know, I had learned enough math to be a math teacher. I had learned enough skills, to like 
in general, reasoning with people, talking with people, understanding people, to be able to jump into education and technology too. Now, I don't, I really think my dad and my parents really helped support that learning for me, but I did learn a little bit of technology through high school. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and in the need for that that paradigm shift. Right, and so this um, the first long term trend talks about advancing cultures of innovation, and I can see it. I can tell when there's a teacher that really encourages kids to think out of the box and accepts all sorts of kinds of projects and as assessments and just in general under showing understanding. I can see it. And when I go from one class, sometimes they're like right next door to each other. I see a classroom where the teacher is accepting innovation and I see another teacher who is pushing innovation down right next to each other. And you can see a huge difference in the quality of work, just how personable those kids are and how, how, they're just outside the box thinkers and it's it could be glorious but if you don't own it this culture of innovation then it's going to hold you back and it's going to hold your kids back and one of the things that i always think about is the students who never have teachers who embrace innovation you know what i mean they they go through their school years and just by hap- scheduling and happenstance they never have a teacher who embraces innovation and how different their educational experience is from those that do embrace it their grades might be fine you know they probably will be if they if they just sit there and be quiet and do exactly what the teacher says though then that means they're behaving they're they're probably making good grades you know but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be prepared for a future that they create right and when i think in elementary school and I immediately think of innovation. The, the classrooms that jump to mind first for me are the GT classrooms because yeah. their their whole curriculum is designed around getting pursuing innovation in their students. And that curriculum can easily be adapted for the general classroom. And having students, I think it should have, be. yeah, having students have those innovative experiences in any classroom. It makes me think. Have you ever seen the video Kane's Arcade? Nope. I love the Canes Arcade video. If you guys haven't seen it, look for it on YouTube. But it was this kid whose dad owns a salvage shop or an auto shop, something something to that effect. Um, and he had a bunch of cardboard boxes. And this kid just designed an arcade out, all out of cardboard. And he had people come and try out his arcade. And his design thinking process was really phenomenal. And that kind of innovation needs to be encouraged. There what, was nothing... Did his dad like support him in oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I thought this story was going to take a turn. Oh, no, no, no. It's very <laughs> uplifting. You guys should all, uh, all look for it. We'll put the link in the show notes. You know, that kind of innovation had nothing to do with the quote-unquote curriculum, right? There right. there was nothing that you could immediately tie to curriculum. Eventually, you could make some of those ties there. But what that prepared him for, that out-of-the-box thinking, is so crucial. Yes. I mean, that's what's going to be expected of them when they enter into whatever career they go into. Yeah. You know, you're not going to go into, when I taught math, I always told my kids, I'm like, you're not going to go into a career and all they're going to do is ask you to do some math. That's not going to happen. You're going to go into a career and you're going to be asked to think about the math that could be done to help solve bigger problems. Right, right. Even my sister, who's a CPA, that's not all that she does all the time right. is math. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, as a CPA, I mean, she's going to have to market herself. Yeah. She's going to have to be able to write clean reports and follow yeah. guidelines and, you know, 
Yep. All sorts of stuff. Which, you know, you mentioned something that brings me to this trend that I wanted to talk about, which is coding as literacy. That's one of the short-term trends. So short-terms under between one and two years. Yeah. So we see this yeah. a lot in schools already, and it's, I think, going to becoming even more prevalent. But just the fact that coding is not just something that happens to be with technology. It is a language and a way of reading and thinking that is essential for kids to be taught these days. Can I, can I tell a fun story? Yeah, for sure. So yesterday we came home and Addie had to do, Addie, my daughter, she's nine, she's in third grade. She had to do, uh, she had to finish a paper that she was writing and then she also had to practice her math facts. But then after she was done, she goes, Daddy, Daddy, can I show you this thing? And she pulled up this thing that she did in Scratch. And she was That's like. That's awesome. I was, I'm like, Addie, you just made my day. I cannot yeah. wait to tell everybody as soon as I see them. <laughs> and now you're telling me. In the world. Oh. No, and it's true. Tinkering and practicing with coding, whether you're doing it with something tam tangible, excuse me, like a B-Bot or a Codapillar. Ozobot or an Ozobot, or on the computer with a program like Code.org or Scratch is really something that, that kids need to become familiar with. The, the statistic right now is that nearly 250,000 jobs for software developers in the United States remain unfilled. Wow. That our demand for coding is far outpacing the number of coders that we're producing in America. And that, that is a huge gap. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that even that Talk jobs, about ways to make lots of money. Maybe I should go into <laughs> Right. Switching <laughs> gears here. No. Um, and even jobs that don't require coding, it's important that you have a foundational knowledge of code so that you can better support your team, right? So that you can think about your team and, and kind of... And know what's possible. Right. You know, know what's possible, know like, I don't know, just you can offer ideas and stuff like that. I think it's it can help if you know even just a little. A little bit, exactly. And, and kind of understand the language. Of course, we've all heard that statistic that, and I think the number percentage mentioned in this report is 65% of children entering school today will work in jobs that do not exist currently. So more than half of our students are heading into a future that is unknown. And coding is one of the ways to access that future because coding will be a huge part in jobs in the future. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of uh, social studies teachers preparing kids to be social studies teachers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you need to know this. This is very important because everybody knows it. But are they going to use it? Are they? Right. I mean, sure, it's like cool facts, but... Well, what? it's important social studies to know the trends in history and, right. and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Exactly. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not downgrading the importance of social <laughs> studies. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, like... Think bigger, think broader, think usefulness of it. Right. So, yeah, it's just I'm, I am hugely passionate about coding and bringing coding experiences to students and students as young. I have, you know, I work with pre-K campuses and pre-K teachers, and they have their students coding. It's never too early to kind of Oh, yeah, Addie's in third, but she started that. in first grade. Like, yeah. It's pretty amazing. 
It really you know? is. And one of the other short-term trends was STEM learning or STEAM learning, and coding helps support that. that the rise in STEAM jobs is going to be huge within the next five years, or not next five years, but the next couple of years. So, so it's a cool report. Lots of really cool other things in here, too, about deeper learning approaches and redesigning learning spaces. I know I know in my classroom, I saw a pretty huge difference when I you know, decided that why are we just sitting in desks? You know, yeah. I saw a lot of learning changes when kids had more opportunity to sit in a more comfortable space. They looked forward to the class. They got in there. They were ready to start learning. We're seeing a lot of the redesigning learning, you know, spaces with the campuses that are becoming STEM campuses or that are getting refreshes. The campuses like uh, Mill Street, which is being built, and they're talking about a lot of the furniture in these schools are on casters so that they're easily moved. Uh, sorry, on wheels. I guess not casters, but they're on wheels. What so is a caster? A caster is like a wheel attachment thing. Right. I'm going to Google that later. Yeah, I'm known for making stuff up, but a caster is a real thing. Look, guys, let's let's Google this. Okay. Caster. I'll give you a play-by-play. Go into Google. Typing in the what Omnibox. What Did you know that thing is called an Omnibox? I did not know that. Yeah. Very important things. A no. person who casts something. No, I don't think that's, that's right. That's not right. Oh, here it is. What is the difference between casters and wheels? This is, I don't, oh, gosh. I'm, I'm, it is a wheel yeah. on the rotating mount. Okay, oh, okay. so like a caster. See, I knew it was something like that. Got They're it. usually so on. So it really is more accurate. On the a bottom. A caster is more accurate than calling it a wheel. I guess so. Good job. Casters are the ones that you put on like things that you use for moving. Anyway, this was not the intent. Like an office chair. <laughs> yes. like, an, like the normal office chair <laughs> rolly wheel caster thing. This was not the intent to give you guys a lesson on casters. Um, but thanks to Douglas Equipment Company website for giving us a clear definition of about the difference between the two. We're not going to put that in the show notes. No, we're not. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> so we're already seeing a redesign in spaces is what we were trying to say. Yeah. But I, I almost picked that one to talk about. I almost you? did because I I mean I really loved my my flexible seating and the student centeredness of yeah. it. Yeah. I have flexible weird. seating in my classroom as well and I you know I told parents when they were like, "Oh, why don't you have desks?" and I said, "Well, I don't work best sitting in a desk for eight hours, so why should I expect my students to work best that way as well? You know, Did I you have any pushback? No. Oh, no. That's good. I had a couple of desks in my room for kids I, who preferred them. Right, so. or parents who thinks who thought their kids yeah. preferred them. Yep. And I said, I prefer to work sitting on the floor, you know, or wherever, lounged out. So, um, Especially little people. What grade did you teach? Fourth. Fourth grade. I mean, little people, they, just, they can just... Brawl out anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that, that kind of stuff didn't bother me. If you're laying on your stomach on the floor, but you're still getting your work done, then exactly. you're getting your work done. Exactly. So. And if you choose not to get your work done because of where you are, then you have the flexibility to move them. Exactly. It's- if you want to check out the report again, it's... It'll in, be in the show notes. In the show notes. I find them highly fascinating. They, they've got a lot of good information in there. Um, I wish I'd have found this when I did my... Uh, Grad school paper. Yeah. It may not have been out. Actually, I don't think it was. It it's, wasn't out. It's one of my... Because I graduated in 2017. Well, they do, they do them every year. They've been doing them for a long time. Okay. So, Maybe I did. I don't remember. So, anyway. Well, that's... We're going to wrap it up. You know, my meeting starts in five minutes. Right. And so. she informed me that she will not be late to her meeting. So, I'm going to keep recording as she leaves and just say mean no. things about... <laughs> no, don't do that. 
So, yeah, I hope you are following us on social media. At The Digge Dish is our Twitter handle, hashtag LISD Digital Dish. There's a lot of people following us. Yeah. It is I'm, pretty neat. I'm at J. Solnick Frazier. I'm at ITF Vic. Yeah, so give us a follow, check us out, and we will be coming at you soon. See you next time. Bye. Later.